So, Luke, how are you? How are you doing? Uh, I'm, it's been a rough day. It's been a rough yeah. day. Is it rough because you're breathing heavily from your nose right into the microphone? Well, that's why. Listen, if you want me to hold the mic like that, that's what's going to happen. <laughs> oh, man. Next up, boom arm for Luke. You can't have your cake and eat it too, Gormley. Um, oh, I can have my cake. I'll just eat a section of it. <laughs> The other day, there wasn't anyone in the office, and so, but it was some girl's birthday, and there was a cake there, and it was big, and I, had, all I had to eat from about eight o'clock in the morning till two in the afternoon was cake. It was horrible, probably gluttonous. Oh man, I felt so disgusting. It was awesome. The best was when you got when I, I saw your like tweet or something where you're like, it's eleven forty nine, and all I've eaten today is cake. <laughs> <laughs> I had like big pieces too. It was so bad. It was so. Is it bad. one of those things where the cake is in is in such a public area that every time you walk by it, you see it and you're like, "Wow!" I know, and like our lives, it's, things haven't been stressful here. They've just been. There's, there's a lot going on right now, so we didn't have any food here to eat for breakfast. So cake it was. <laughs> cake it was. Cake for breakfast. Cake for snack. Cake for lunch. That's where it's you're, at. It's cake. You're 34. This isn't sad. <laughs> like I feel like that's acceptable in college. To eat cake in the morning. Would you agree? Mm. Let them eat cake. Yeah. You know, she never actually said that. It was a yes, I Dickens know line. But it was, it was quoted from Voltaire saying, that was, like, someone said it that wasn't Marie Antoinette. And Voltaire is famous for saying that it was her. You like just that. had to one-up me, didn't you? Oh, no. I, I no, I'm, just, to. I'm totally just kidding. I don't care. Son of a bitch. Um, oh, wait. You can hear those now. <laughs> oh, man. You know what? We can't hear your refrigerator. <laughs> can I tell you why it's awful coming home after multiple days gone? My office is filled with such crap from my kids. Like, I, I have a little, my desk, Sandy desk. Sometimes I like to sit down. Your home gentleman. office? The one that has my yes, bed my next office. to it? Yes. Just kidding. My bed's and, in your uh, kid's room. <laughs> That's awful. Um, but I have this huge backup battery pack power supply. It weighs like 40 pounds. For some reason, it was on the floor. The printer was in a weird position. That's I know, printer, right? Um, I know. I was like, but it Ew. was so weird. It was so weird. And I'm like, my kids could not have moved a, like a 30-pound battery pack. Uh, but we have, we have been doing P90X lately. <laughs> Kateri's like really buff. I don't know if you know that or not. Yeah, she's, she's super buff. She's like, oh, I'll move this. Oh. Actually, let's be honest. Lay off me. I'm That's starving. That's Shannon. Yeah, that's right. Okay, I came here to party. <laughs> I came here to, to drink some Bud Light and kick some ass tomorrow. You had a Bud Light. <laughs> oh, Shannon. Get I'm, over here, Luke. I'm sorry. <laughs> Quiet, fatty. Oh. <laughs> my neck. My neck muscles. They're so small. My face. My valuable uh. face. <laughs> that's how I makes the money. <laughs> Uh, we're in the, okay, so uh, life. So it's yeah, it's gonna be kind of tough when you're gone for, for that long. I mean, because you were like in and out, right? So I want yeah, you're talking about something that we haven't referenced yet because we just started the yeah program. whatever. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Right. So I was in can <laughs> I was in Canada from Thursday to Sunday doing Subaville Atlantic, and for those of you who don't know, at Subaville Atlantic is another time zone east of Eastern time. Ooh, so fancy. Yeah, so. 
I know. When you think about it that way, it's it, it's off the face of the earth, right? The earth is flat. You fall off the face of the earth. Then you're in yeah. Halifax. And uh, it was really fun. It was, uh, I mean, we had a great team that was there, and I had a blast. Luke, I, I, I don't know. Did you follow me on Twitter sometimes when I get really scared and start tweeting stuff about my nope. work? Did you see any of that stuff about how nervous I was to go on Friday night? Uh, Friday night? No, I was not paying attention to Twitter on Friday night. But I, but oh, Luke, I was lighting it up. <laughs> I was lighting it up, Luke. Here's the thing: you need to tell me beforehand because it's not like when I was. Uh, it's not like it's 2009. I don't have anything else to do. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna send you a text message. Hey, Luke, I'm gonna start tweeting today. <laughs> I'll be like, fair enough. I'll just go on there and check. Yeah. No, I um I I was tweeting how like so. In the Super Bowl conferences, you have to understand, you have a team. The team is composed of a priest, a male speaker, a female speaker, a host, and something else that I'm forgetting. Another and Brian Kissinger. And, uh, and Brian Kissinger somehow works his way. Get a theology degree, Brian Kissinger. Um, no, the, so we do these conferences, and there are certain talks that have a certain amount of weight to them, like the Saturday night talk is the talk right before Saturday adoration. If you've ever been to Super Bowl conference, you know Saturday off, uh, adorations can be kind of off the hook and uh, like kind of like the most important moment. So they added a Friday adoration to kind of take the emphasis off of just like this huge build-up adoration and spread the love around and mm-hmm. change people's focus. But Friday night is so important because after the host does the welcoming and the praise and worship music and all that stuff, you have the Friday night keynote. And this was the first year that I've ever done a Friday night keynote. And I remember being at Superville conferences and listening to the Friday night keynote being like, this conference is going to suck. This, this keynote is terrible. And judging a whole weekend by the first impression of the first keynote. And all those memories flooded me like maybe 30 minutes before I went on the stage. And I was like, I'm going to throw up. I'm not funny anymore. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And I, I started freaking out. My son, this is the sweetest thing that has ever happened to me in my entire stupid life. My son, who's three years old, two older girls, one younger boy. Walk, so I forgot to tell my kids on Thursday morning that I was leaving for the weekend. Totally forgot to tell them, hey, daddy's not coming home. Like, do you think I'm going to work? But I'm not going to be home for a while. And uh, we say, like, daddy's not going to be home for four sleeps. Aww. And uh Right? That's, uh, that's the only way they understand. Well, I mean, and, uh, it is kind of sad when you put it that way. It's like, four sleeps. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm a terrible parent. But uh, so, you t- and so I'm telling them, and I'm, like, literally about to walk out the door, and they're like, you're what? And I'm like, oh, oh no, I totally forgot. So they're all, they all just start sobbing. Oh, no. And they're coming down. My girl, Kateri's like, I've got no, this, you, so much. And she's just holding me and holding me and holding me. And Cecilia's too. And. Noah gives me a hug and then goes back and plays and stuff. And Thomas doesn't understand. He's like, what? Well, they go out and they walk me to my car. I get in my car and I start to pull out. And Noah leaves. And I think he's just upset at me. He comes back with his little bear that he sleeps with. And he's like, here you go, Daddy. I want you to take Mr. Bear so you won't be alone because you're going to be all by yourself. So take my bear. And I'm like, I'll take your bear, buddy. I'll take your bear. I'm like losing it now. So I take it and I, I put it in my bag. And then when I go through security, I open up my bag, and I'm like, oh, I got the bear here. So I take Mr. Bear goes to Halifax was like a hashtag. I did, I did remember seeing that. I did. I do. I do. Sorry, grammar Nazis. And D. Go on. <laughs> so I took dozens. We haven't met in a while. I took dozens of photos with him, and I sent them all to them, and I posted a couple on Instagram and stuff. But uh, it was a lot of fun. And Shannon's like, you have no idea what this means to him. He's like, oh, but my bill. <laughs> like, just freaking out. And 
so then I leave. Um, Huh. I guess I can't hold it. Sorry, sorry. I ruin I ruined the moment, everyone. Sorry. Uh, You're okay. so mad right now. <laughs> uh, no, but when I flew home from Canada, I had to go to Montreal. I was I almost missed my flight. Literally, I made the gate by three minutes because of crap. Because of crap. It was just total bullshit. I should have been there well ahead of time. It infuriated me, all Wait, sorts of stuff. I what? Like in a, like and you got twenty two seconds. What happened? We get off the plane. Our plane arrived a little bit late. We only they booked our flight with only forty five minutes in between, and we had to go through customs. Ooh. Now let me tell you what the Montreal airport is like. You land in one side. Very French. You think be, you think because you land in gate twenty and you have to go to gate eighty six. You think 86 is on the opposite side because every sign you says says gate 65 to 75 this way. So you power walk like half a mile of freaking airport to get to the very end and see that it only ends at like 75. And you're looking around, you're like, where are the rest of the gates? And like, oh, you got to go back. We end up walking almost back to our original gate. And there's a purple sign that says connections. Mm. It doesn't say connections to gate 76 to 86. It doesn't say international flying, U.S. customs. It says none of that. So you go through small double doors where the hallway lights aren't even turned on, damn it. And we walk in, and there's a small, I mean, literally it's the size of a piece of paper on the wall, and it's, and it shows how why this is, like, quarantined off. And it says, like, it's 76 to 86, U.S. customs terminal. So they, like, have a whole terminal, you know, blocked off for U.S. Customs to be done in Canada before you ever get to the U.S. And you have to leave and go back through security. Dude, that sucks. And I almost I almost missed my flight. Then my passport wouldn't scan. So you can't just enter the code manually. So I scan it literally three different computers, three different times each. I'm just begging for help. I finally, this guy's like, oh, you needed to bend the paper here. I'm like, why? And he's like, because your book's not right. And I'm like, my book looks fine. So, anywho, I run the whole length. I'm pouring sweat. I smell bad. Get on the plane. They shut the door right behind me. I was the last wow. passenger to get on. It was insane. I land four and a half hours of flying. I land in Houston. Massive storms. We were the second to last plane allowed to land. We're grounded. The airport is shut down. Too much lightning. I sat on the runway for two and a half hours. It ended up being two and a half hours? On that freaking runway. Yep. Yep. The captain comes on and goes, problem here. I'm really sorry, folks, but due to the weather, they actually shut the airport down. Someone's at our gate. They need to empty all the people, refuel the plane, refill the people, and then move the plane. But they can't do that because the airport is shut down. And then he said, we will be here for an hour. He said it like three times. And then he goes, or significantly more. <laughs> like like a throwaway line. Or significantly more than an hour. Maybe a month. So, uh, yeah, two and a half hours. And then the next morning, I left. Uh, I got my car. I go home at 1230 that night. I get uh, in the morning. I leave at, uh, I left at, um, oh God, what was it? 630 on Monday morning. And I had a thing in L.A. I just got back from that. And that was, that was hell in that terminal. Oh, dude, I hate flying to L.A. It's the worst. Well, I flew into LAX, and our event event is 10 minutes from the airport. Well, that's not bad. 
so I get in. We we decide. Uh, neither of us had a Lyft or Uber on our phones. Who's, I had deleted my us? Uber app. Be- oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. It's, it, so the thing I went to is called Parish Catalyst, and it's the thing where every six months you go as a parish team and you figure out different issues that your parish needs to work on or whatever. And it was me and Stephen Lanahan, who uh, a lot of people know. He worked for Life Team. He worked at my parish. He worked at Christ the King in a Cathedral in uh, in uh, Atlanta, and. Great guy, great guy. We just hired him to do our communications and development. Oh, nice. So he's brand new. It's like his second day on the job when we go out there. Yeah. And, uh, and I know him. He actually took over youth ministry when I left. And uh, I nicknamed him Lamahan. Lamahan. Remember that name? You'll be screaming it later. Anywho. So, but the freaking cab driver ripped us off. Like, I don't know. I don't know. I just know it's close by. So he takes us far away, gets on a highway, exits, and I'm like, oh, I know this road, Sepulveda, or whatever it's called. And then when we have an Uber driver t- or a Lyft driver take us to the airport, we're, like, on all surface streets. And it took us 10 minutes, as opposed to a highway to take us 30 minutes. It took me $40 in a taxi cab, less than $10 via Uber. It was, oh, I was so yeah, pissed. I don't even bother with taxis anymore. I literally don't even think about it. I deleted my Uber app because of all their, like, anti-women crap and all the shit well, that yeah, was going just, on. So I was like, I'll install Just use Lyft. Lyft. And then I forgot to, I forgot to install Lyft. <laughs> and I was like, oh, the, it's <laughs> only there was some other app that came before this that people used to use before Uber started doing things for everyone. <laughs> if only there was an app where people used to put magnetic mustaches on the front of their car in order to visually see them. Visually see them. That's the phrase. If only it was 2013. Yeah. So, yeah, I did this, this Parish Catalyst, but you know what I did that was even more important? One, drank at the hotel bar. Two, walked to the local Cinemark and watched Spider-Man Homecoming. I've already seen it twice. Twice? Twice. Actually, yeah. We probably shouldn't have gone the other night, but we did, and it was good. I saw Wonder Woman twice. That was good. We saw Wonder Woman twice. We don't get out. We, we just go to the movies. That's all we do. <laughs> Is there a way we can go out, but it's still like my living room with me watching TV? Yes, it's called the movies. Great. I'll go. <laughs> mm, a place where they bring you food and the chairs recline and you watch as people do stuff on a huge screen. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, so what do you think of Spider-Man? Good? Bad? Awesome? Uh, uh, you're man. hesitating. I really? am hesitating. I am. Really? Okay, now, I don't want to say this out loud because I'm afraid if I say it out loud, it's going to be true. Maybe I'm getting too used to the superhero genre movie. You know, I think it's happening. I think the fatigue is starting to set in. I would agree. Because I felt the same about Wonder Woman as I did about Spider-Man, which is a whole lot of fun, but so formulaic. Mm-hmm. And with Spider-Man, it's like, oh, here, like the things that annoy me about Spider-Man, and I understand why they have to do it. He's a 15-year-old kid who's more eager than smart, but he literally wants to be a dropout in high school, and he's a super genius. Come on. And like all this stuff. Spoiler alert. Must... Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but he's, he's a kid who wants to, yeah, seriously, huge spoiler alert. Uh, <laughs> That's the spoiler horn for people who don't pay attention to the incomparable BT dubs. John Syracuse responded to me on Twitter. Holy Man. crap. Wasn't that awesome? It was. It was. I, for those of you who don't know, The Incomparable is a wonderful podcast on pop media and culture and stuff. And John Syracuse, who I listen to in multiple different technology mm-hmm. and life pe- podcasts, he is like, he is, everyone He's, loves John yeah, Syracuse. Oh, seriously. He's like, the, he is a nerd's nerd. 
Yep, it's amazing. I, and, I actually heard him critique Goodfellas in a good way for like two and a half hours or so. No, no, no. Three and a half Just, hours. It was longer long than the was. movie. It was so yeah. long. It was amazing. I've yeah. heard him and um, Jason Snell talk for like an hour and a half on a 60-second um, trailer. Yeah, yeah. Start was it The Force Awakens or whatever? Yeah, yeah. Oh, so brilliant. But he responded to you via Twitter. Isn't it funny when things like that happen and I'm like, oh, you just made my day. I know. So anyways, um, okay, so Spider-Man. Here's – can I – really quick. I agree yeah, yeah, yeah. that we're at a point now where I think these films – and it really kind of bums me out because I'm worried that it's going to mean that in – that um, – like the next few movies are going to suck, especially Infinity Wars. Uh, I think fatigue is starting to set in. Like, and I remember you saying you to me, you said to me, I mean, how many more buildings can I watch blow up? And I said to you, all of them, Luke. <laughs> I can watch all of them. But now I'm like, okay. But here's the thing Spider Man didn't have that. They had no, a no, ship no. that split in two, but yeah. there were no buildings that blew up for the most part. Yeah, I can't even remember. Yeah. I know there was so much there was so much that was great and new about it. Like I love the fact that you have Spider Man who when he's in New York, great, shooting out the webs, but then he's in suburbia and he's like, I have nowhere to go. <laughs> like and so they just show him running. running. And he's like, yeah. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and I thought they did they did it also did a really good like it was such a good high school movie. It was. It like was. it really it made me miss working out of high school. Just because, like, the way that, like, the teens were, I was like, holy crap, this was, this was my life. <laughs> like, this right here, I've experienced all of that. But um, I, You overheard some, uh, a couple girls, a couple gay kids sitting on a bench being like, I would F Thor. Yeah. I can't believe this movie is a total crowd pleaser. Hey, there's Captain America. I love that guy. Hey, that underage girl mentioned sleeping with Thor. That's weird. Yeah, that's, uh, no, and like when like that part age, when they said that, I was like, "Really? Did you have to have the?" Well, yeah, that yeah. Come yeah. on, you could have done any, like anything instead of I would f Thor. But that's where we are as a culture, though. I know. I don't want I mean, to admit it. Homeschooler. <laughs> uh, but it. Uh, I think you're right, though. About I, I, I think part of me has already gotten over that, so I'm just like, it is what it is. But I am a little bit concerned, especially for the next Avengers film in yeah. because I'm so excited about that. I know you are, which is what your tweet with John Syracuse was yeah. about. You said, should I do what you do on star Wars and not watch the trailer or read any articles about it at all? He like, I think he watched the first one and then that was it. Yeah. Like, he accidentally watched the 32nd teaser. Yeah. Yeah. Which was the one they did the podcast on. And after that, he didn't do anything. Yeah. And it, uh, I, cause I just want to be surprised by it, like completely surprised. But I, I do think, how many more of these can we do? Like, yeah, okay. So that, that's really – that's the thing is we're not going to be surprised by it. We're not going to be surprised. The, the thing that's going to be the most surprising is how well the actors who, are, who have such big personalities, how well are they going to interact on set? Like, you know, the Chris Pratt from Guardians meeting mm-hmm. up with a Tony Stark type person, you know, and having these big names. Like Black Panther, I mean – yeah, he might be an awesome actor, but he's not the level of Tony Stark is in the movie. And so how do you – but Chris Pratt's character, Star-Lord, totally is. Like they're mm-hmm. funny, arrogant, cocky, you know, larger than life. You just he's want to keep a watching. leading man in that sense. I don't know if Chris yeah. Pratt can do it for other films that basically 
aren't Guardians of the Galaxy, like Jurassic World, but I think he can do it for yeah. like it's it's perfect for him. It's absolutely perfect. Yeah, yeah. So I think what you have to do, and I could be wrong, but I think this is what the Civil War film did so well is it really has to be about the drama between the characters. You have to take all of the action out of it, and it still has to be extremely compelling. Yeah, and I and, think I think the Winter Soldier did that better than any other movie, even better than, yeah, yeah. than Civil War, I but I agree with you. I agree. Yeah, no, I would agree. I would agree with that as well. I think that I, um, I need to watch the, the Winter Soldier more. I had a, it just didn't hit me as much as it did other people. I don't know why. I still I like it. It just didn't do. Yeah, I don't know, but I, but I see why it's the better movie. But it didn't have the emotional effect on me that it did on others. Man, but I, I, but I would agree. Winter Soldier. Winter, Winter Soldier is my overall favorite because you felt like watching it that you're actually just watching a movie, and the superhero stuff is just like fun bonus. Oh stuff. yeah, like, I mean it's definitely it's the best of. This is one of the things that really sucks about all of the Marvel films. And I doubt they're going to do this with Star Wars as well. Is they don't play around with um, different genres all that much. They kind of right. try to a little bit here and there, yeah. but for the most part, this is this um, is a, is um, a superhero film, and that's it. That's yeah. of the genre. So because like we won't ever see a Tarantino Star Wars movie, which I think sucks. I mean, that'd be amazing. Mm. It'd be absolutely amazing. I also think Tarantino's a god. So you know whatever. <laughs> Uh, It'd be what, what would a Tarantino Star Wars movie have? It'd be a, a lot of a lot of uh, lightsabers, but with gushing blood instead well, of it would be, wound. Here's here's oh, what it'd be. It would be tons of dialogue with like really quick action stuff, then just back to tons of dialogue. But it'd be so interesting because he like he, I mean he's he's great in my opinion because he, when he does his like. They are pure auteur films. Like that's a Tar- like no one else can do a Tarantino film. It's so that's uh, I think Scorsese and Paul Thomas Anderson. Those guys are kind of close. As, not sorry. Um, well, yeah, Paul. Who, who, uh, gosh, I'm getting them all confused. Who did uh, the Life Aquatic? Not Paul Thomas Anderson. I think wasn't it the Coen Brothers? No. Mm-mm. But like they're, they're I'll find oh, out. you talk. Sorry, but like they're an example of that as well. Like you know the kind of film you're going to get, and it's this thing that these only these um, people can do because they're actual artists. And this is like what they. Oh do yeah, now. Wes Anderson. Wes Anderson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, Wes Anderson. Yeah, like yeah. I'm not real into his stuff, but I see why people enjoy it. Oh yeah, I mean I was a big fan of Rushmore and the Royal Tenenbaums. Mm-hmm. Like it just it doesn't speak to me but again i and i will always watch it if a person wants to so i think the thing that does kind of uh stink about these films being so big is i don't remember the last time me and aaron went to go probably the last non-tent pole film we saw was the one about the improv group that was really good by mike berbiglio uh it was it was excellent and that was like gosh probably a year ago or so no, probably no. It was around my birthday, so half a year. Uh, okay. Have you ever seen the Fantastic Mr. Fox? Yeah. See, it just didn't. Really? I got bored. I know so many people that are obsessed mm-hmm. with that movie. And, and again, I understand why they are, and I respect that, and I wish that I enjoyed it, but I it just doesn't. But see, like, I also love the Coen Brothers. Like, I think they're the best, hands down, bar none. They're the best people in film right now and they will be until they die um 
but I also know that some people just don't enjoy it as much as I do. So, because like when you get to like that kind of a film, I think it does come down to taste, and I don't mean that in a bad way. Like you have bad taste. I think some people just don't enjoy the Coen Brothers stuff because it doesn't make a lot of sense at first, and it seems weird, and you really have to unpack all of the layers that are there. I mean, it's a very everything you're saying is why I hate Tarantino. But like when I so... watch a uh, when I watch a Tarantino movie, I literally feel like it's a joke from beginning to end. Like I feel like <laughs> I feel like he's not making like when I saw Kill Bill, like every single character is so absurd in the way they act. It's every character is like way over the top, mm-hmm. and I, and I watched Kill Bill Volume One and Volume Two. Volume Two sucks. Volume One was fun. Yeah, I guess Volume Two is not as good. As... We but, enjoyed Volume One in college. I mean, I, I remember I liking did, that. I did. There's elements of it that I liked, but, like, not uh, across the board. Not really. <laughs> like, I just, I don't really? know, man. I, no, I don't no, no, know. I mean, and then I saw um, The Inglorious Bastards. And I liked, so I liked that movie a lot more because I felt like it wasn't entirely absurd over the top. And then it was really weird when Hitler had his space machine gun <laughs> like, off. And I'm until like, the end. Wait, what? Yeah. What it happened just goes killing Nazis. Uh, yeah. No, but it's I I, I, I <laughs> oh, Reba Derchi. He doesn't even try to hide his accent. I love it. But <laughs> I, I, again, I think with those guys, those like and, and, and again, like to me, those are the real filmmakers. Um, it's not a bad thing if you don't like it because yeah. it's just again, like I don't like Wes Anderson stuff, and I I wish I did. I really do, but I, I also know that that's just some people don't like. Um, Van Gogh, they just don't get it, or just. Uh, uh, but yeah. like, I think, but I think, or me, Jackson Pollock. Sure, yeah. I made I made fun of a Jackson Jackson Pollock, and I you would have think I murdered a puppy on Facebook Live. <laughs> All these people are like, you just don't understand, and I'm like, listen, I don't give a shit that there's fractals in the layers of paint. I don't give a crap about any of that. I think it's stupid, and paint should look like something. <laughs> and all these people are like, you don't get it. And I'm like, I don't. And I'm okay. I'm, I've, I've talked to people who are in love with him. I've literally said, tell me why I should be impressed with this because I'm not. And they're like, well, you know, it's a reaction against like the hypermoralism and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I don't care. It doesn't look like anything. Ugh. And I know Ugh. people make fun of me for that. And I'm okay with that. I just, my, I, I, when, I, when it comes to poetry, I like poetry that makes sense and doesn't sound like a suicide note when it comes to, you know, like fake deep. Mm-hmm. And I think so much is fake deep. Uh, you know, when I listen to like kind of like slam poetry or stuff like that, so much of it is is it's meant to be anger. Right. But you could kind of get the feeling that like this is uh, this is more like a rap song than it is like actual poetry. Uh, and when it comes to movies, I'm like this. Looks like uh, a really high as a kite eighteen year old made this movie when I watch a Tarantino film. <laughs> but yeah, but what he see what Tarantino? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's part of it. Is it's yeah. just this thing that like when you're like it, that appeals to this adolescent side of like, oh, this is just funny to see Hitler get shot in the face. Yeah. Um, but there's also like the way that he builds tension and that and like the first part of that of that movie. I don't think anyone has ever done more with less like ever in film it's phenomenal that the first part of oh yeah and and i love that and i did i see that's the thing is the whole 
for the most part, I love that movie. I mean, I really, or I should say, I really enjoyed, I really liked that movie. The uh, Shoshana character hiding underneath the floorboards and all that. Yeah, no, mm-hmm. I get it. I'm but right it, there. But it, um, it, it's, it's kind of, this is actually a really good chat, so I'm glad that we, I'm going to find this topic. Uh, I think it, when you get to that high level of art, if you're, I think the goal should always be to understand why it's good, even if you don't appreciate it or it's not your yeah, thing. Yeah, right. You know, like I understand why the Mona Lisa is big. I, I basically had to ask this girl in um, Aus- in Austria on the flight out there who was um, in our group. It was like, uh, who was it? It was like Laura Zeidler. Do you remember her? Oh, yeah. She's so she's like, a, she, um, I don't know if she's still with I mean, I'm talking to her like, you know. 10 years, uh, but she was real in, 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 into art, and I just remember going, like, tell me why the Mona Lisa is a big deal, because I don't really quite get it, and from what I recall, the big thing that she had said, there, there was probably other parts, this is just what I remember was, it was the first time anyone had done anything so perfect that you really couldn't tell exactly what the girl in the painting was doing. Is she, is she smiling? Is she frowning? Like, there's all these different takes because it's just so perfect that it can be all these different things. And I was like, oh, okay, I get that. And when I was actually at the Louvre, I was like, oh, that's so small, but it's cool. I get that I don't understand it, but I can appreciate it for what it is. And to me, that should always be the goal. It's just to kind of go, okay, I see what you're doing. This doesn't speak to me, but I at least understand what, you, what the artist is going for here. Yeah. Which is tough, which is, you know, actually, I think it's really hard to do that in a postmodern age because so much stuff now, the point is just the process as opposed to uh, the message. And that's really frustrating at times. You know, and the other thing is that I don't understand, and it, it, I think it works really well with the Mona Lisa, is... You know, someone like um, who are we just talking about? The crazy seventeen-year-old on drugs. Uh, the guy that you like. Oh, uh, Tar- Tarantino. 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 <laughs> uh, he really so, is. <laughs> <laughs> you know what needs to happen here? More blood. Um, that's one layer. Right. So that's that's exactly what I was going to say. Is I don't know, in terms of film and the history of film, what new thing he's doing. You know, what new technique, what new, what new thing he's doing. And so you don't, uh, you can't appreciate it unless you preci- appreciate film itself, right? As, mm-hmm. a, as a genre of art, not just, you know, the, the specific genre that he's filming within that, that category of film. So, you know, when you're watching an action movie like Kill Bill or you're watching uh, <laughs> historical fiction like uh, Inglorious Bastards, which is a war movie... Uh, a, a Jewish righteous vindication movie. You know, when you watch this stuff, or or what, what was the one that he made where Leonardo DiCaprio was the horrible slave owner? Oh, that was um, great too. Uh, Django Unchained. Yeah, Django Unchained. That was excellent. So that this is very similar, right? Like the, the getting their revenge, and it's like this historical catharsis. One, I think it was a guy at the LA Times talks about. But like with the Mona Lisa, uh, Leonardo da Vinci in that time, he used a technique that no one else had ever used. Which is what it's it basically is like like smoke. Um, I can't remember how you pronounce it in Spanish. It's almost like I always say it in Spanish: fumar, no fumar, no smoking. But it means like 
that you can't see the like the brush strokes. Mm-hmm. He didn't use an outline, but use different tones and shades. So a lot of artists up until his time ha- would do like what most people do, which is you draw like a black line, and they just and he didn't color do that. inside the lines. Yeah, yeah, and he didn't do that. He used just sh- gradients and shades of that to create an illusion of three dimension, which really wasn't done before the Mona Lisa and some of his other stuff. So, um, yeah. Well, it's 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 also weird with film because there are really, I mean, you could make the argument that Star Wars kind kind of ruined it as an art form. It became pop art after that. It basically, became like Warhol because yeah. right up until that point in time, you have these really almost at that time experimental slash dark. Like you had something like The Godfather, which is why some people who really don't who really don't like it their big take is it's just so slow and nothing happens yeah but why that meal well, i mean why that film is so great there are like a whole bunch of reasons you are just immersed in this world it's like when you breathe in the air at the cliffs of more it's this like beautiful thing you just have to be there and you just take in all the small things so it's the way they talk it's like other wedding it's how they drink their wine it's like you're you understand what it's like to be an Italian in 1945, Hmm. you know, and that's kind of the point of that. It's just, you're just engulfed in this world and you just slowly breathe it all in. And then star Wars comes and it's just like, you know, like things are all like, all like blown up and stuff. It's a very fast movie, which is weird because the prequels aren't, um, hmm, (laughs) wonder why, um, I could go in. So, and then what's so like what you have is now you have pop art film, which has really always been there, but now it's like this big tentpole, big thing that we do. And what is kind of lost was the filmic revolution. Basically, occurred in nineteen. I've got the book right here uh, called "Pictures at a like Revolution," and it basically talks about how in nineteen sixty three, I think, is when the like best picture, uh, all of the best picture films, we went from being these like kind of just big stupid movies to like the very next year was all heavy like serious stuff, yeah. and it basically stays that way up until Star Wars pretty much, and then we're in this weird back and forth between the two since then. Yeah, and so and sorry, this is we're like way off track here, but I just think it's fascinating because um, film it's really only been pretty like recently that it's even been considered to be fine art. Like it was not a, it was not really a part of that until I want to say like twenty years ago or so, maybe even a little bit like earlier. I could be wrong. So and like right now, you have the argument that TV could be a part of that with things like Mad Men and Game of Thrones and whatnot. It is it is is interesting to me how the relationship between pop culture and artistic culture. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like. Mass consumption versus that which people who are invested in that genre can really dive deep in. And YouTube, in, a, in an interesting way, can bridge the gap for a lot of people. Because right before me and you connected, uh, me and my wife hung out for a little bit. She went to bed. Uh, I bedded her well. And then I came downstairs, and I grabbed a beer, and I was, waiting for, you to, <laughs> and I was waiting for you to call me. And so I put on YouTube, and I had, I had left. Spider-Man, uh, I saw one of the ending scenes. I didn't see the other one. And I didn't know if there was a second one, and I just wanted to get back to my hotel and go to bed. And um, so I wanted to watch this video. And the guy goes through, and I watch a lot of these type of videos where they go through, like, the comic book stuff to explain it. 
But if you think about it, right, so many people want to know, um, maybe they didn't have an art culture, art history background, so there are these a million videos that would help explain, or websites, why the Mona Lisa is great. Like, if you stare at her eyes, you see her smile in your periphery, but if you stare at her smile, the smile goes away, right? Mm-hmm. So that's mm-hmm. like one of the interesting things about the whole deal is, when you look at her, he painted it in such a way that it plays with your vision. And it's a different painting when you look at it from a different angle while still staring right at it. It's crazy. But the other thing is that those things like YouTube right now, it's like, I didn't get the whole Spider-Man thing. You watch a video on it, you're like, oh, like there's all those shades of meaning for us now are available in a five-minute video at the on our phones and obviously, it's not the same thing as getting a college education, but you can get caught up in a lot. You can discover a lot of the nuance without, you know, like going to school for it and all that stuff. That I think what you then find is the genre nerds are disgruntled with the movies like like an MCU because it's trying to appeal to the pop culture. And the mm-hmm. genre nerds are like, you know what I want with the Sinister Six? That's who they should fight next, the Sinister Six. If you didn't know that, but the, 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 the gangster in the end, that was Mac, whatever, the Grogan or whatever, he's the Scorpion, and he should be in the Sinister Six. And you're like, whoa, 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 what? And how, how much of this are we disappointed in these movies? And I know for me, because I want more of the deep background story that you can't make because it's for pop culture, right? See, I think... My approach with them, this is why I think I enjoyed Spider-Man. And I don't, I don't think that your uh, approach is wrong. Is it just, when I, when I really like first watch one, one of the Marvel films, I just go like, is this fun? And, you know, like, right, how is right, it fun? Right. So that's why I enjoyed Spider-Man because it's just like, I really was like, this is a great high school movie. It's a great comedy. Like, this yeah. is just a John Hughes thing in the MC. I mean, now it's not really that it's just as, it's as it's as much as they can i think the next time that i watch those films i tend to watch them in terms of the mcu as a whole and i really like that and i and i, I understand and that's, there's a lot of film critics that don't because they think it like hampers the film and really like um really confines what they can do and i do uh, i do agree with that but i just love the MC, the um, mcu so much that i just think that's really fun just to see how it all plays and where yeah, it's all no, going to go. And, and, yeah, and I think that that is part of the – because there's not a single Marvel movie that is out that I haven't seen at least twice. You know, so I think part of the fun of going to see a Marvel movie in the theater is not just, ooh, cool, big, bad action stuff, but also how is this all going to fit in? Like, I cannot wait for Thor Ragnarok. I know, right? That is my movie. That is a movie I will I will probably like I, I would take off work to go see. Now before everyone freaks out, I <laughs> I could totally do something like this where I could go me and a bunch of friends all live about an hour away and the only way we ever see each other is for these big movies, so we all take like half a day. We all went to Iron Man together. You remember I do, I do. We were because all they, there. they all come out on like the first big one is like around May fifth, which is one guy's birthday. Thomas Yeagers, and he used to buy all of our tickets, and uh, <laughs> that was awesome. But I, um, I, I should fly out there for um, the Infinity Wars movie. Oh it feels gosh. appropriate. It that feels be, very appropriate. It'll be <laughs> ten years after uh, Iron Man came out, so yeah. Yeah. Oh man, that's awesome. Um, but when we wa- ten years, so right that I mean, hell. think about it from that perspective, right? Like, 
I remember when the Lord of the Rings trilogy came out, and every single December when I got home from college, we all had that written in our calendars, yep. wherever. We are watching this opening night. And uh, turns out, sold out well ahead of time. So, <laughs> you know, we, we would, but opening weekend, we saw that movie. And it almost, it was like a huge bookmark for my college career because it was freshman, sophomore, junior year. Junior year, yep. And that's amazing. And now we have these Marvel comic book movies, but it's not like everything in Hollywood. The sequels are times two. So now it's like it's not just a, a trilogy. Now it's 50 movies and two, five different <laughs> TV shows. And I'm like, oh, gosh, I'm getting fatigued just trying to keep up with it all. And they're trying not to do that. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is really the only movie that connects it all or the television show that connects it all. The rest of the shows you could watch and, and not watch. And I, I don't I, and I, I know that a lot of people want them to be connected, but I don't because I feel like they'd be a little bit too much. I don't know. I could be wrong. No, it is too much because then you're asking people. And that, I mean, obviously, they I, I, it's one step. I think that would kill. I think that would talk about fatigue. Oh, man, yeah. I didn't watch all 24 episodes, so now I'm lost for Thor Ragnarok. I don't think they ever want to do no. that. No, well, yeah. But I, I think, though, one thing that they've done well is now they are at a point where you have to have watched the other films to understand, like, the real yeah. – interaction between all of other characters they have literally created the marvel comic books or the comic book approach to movies because the comic book approach to movies is everyone has their own book or the team has their own book you read that throughout the year and then right before summer uh, summer comes in comic book sales drop off they do a huge summer event and uh, the summer events usually where they do big crossovers civil war was a big summer event but it's interesting how they do that in order to pull in all the readers, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and now I they're th- doing it for the movies, yeah. I think it really only works in the MCU because it, it's so um, – because you have such great rapport with all the different characters that you're able to – like they all play off of each other pretty well. And I just – I'm like I'm really – that's why I, I think I'm glad that Star Wars has taken the approach of you, you, have, the, you have the main like saga – and then you have these little, like, um, you have these, like, one-off uh, films that just tell a story within that universe that's barely tied to anything. Or, I mean, not barely. It's, but you don't have this, like, you have to see these films in order to understand the, like, um, um, big saga that's going on. You really don't. Like, you don't, have to, you don't have to watch Rogue One at all to understand, like, the importance of the Death Star being de- de- destroyed. You just see yeah. how they got the plans, and that's uh, good stuff, man. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I went and saw it. And I, I don't get me wrong. I really did like it. I thought it was a great, great, fun movie. You know what's funny about uh, our listener, friend of the show, Rebecca, Rally Roscoe. Um, she was she was so heartbroken that that I didn't care for Wonder Woman as much. And we both gave it B's <laughs> or B pluses. She's like, it's everything a Catholic woman should be. And I was like, ah. but uh, she's I love I love her stuff. But my whole thing was uh, I, I went and saw it a second time, and I liked it a lot more the second time. I do still think that what slows that film down, what makes it stupid, is the Zack Snyder stuff. And, and I actually feel really terrible for all the stuff that he's gone through, so I feel bad saying anything bad about him. Um, did, you, did you hear about, oh, what happened? No. So his daughter killed herself like three or four months ago. It's really horrible. Oh my goodness! And yeah, it's like really awful. So he actually, I think it was even like longer than that. So he really hasn't been a part of the Justice League at all. He wrote the film, started on it, and then uh, Joss Whedon actually took it over. 
And oh, it, my goodness. So it's one of these things where it's like, oh, that's just – so anytime like I say, like, oh, he's not a good f- filmmaker, I feel kind of bad because it's like – actually, he's a very good – I thought that 300 w- was excellent. I just think uh, he doesn't really know how to – he wants to do that within the DC world, and it just doesn't work. So I loved Watchmen. I'm not lying, man. I loved Watchmen. Um, how many I, times have you seen it? I actually owned it probably three or four times. Yeah, it's man. beautiful. It's beautiful. I don't think it's great. I think it's it's close. Like he, um, he always comes close. But then he makes these really big. Ever since three hundred, I think three hundred is a phenomenal movie. Three hundred, I would say the weird thing that he did was having all those random mutant humans in there, like super giant, morbidly obese man with a, a, a axe for an arm to chop off bad guys' heads. But like, like the point, I don't think Xerxes had that in his Persian army. But I think, like, why that's – no, but, like, what's so good about that film is you really – you see it's not supposed to be historical right. as much as it's just supposed to be, like, here's a film done with our own, like, modern um, kind of kick to it. But, it, like, you understand Greek – if you watch that on a film, you kind of have an understanding of Greek – culture at that time and how you, they view you get a little more of the spartan spirit like totally you know, and yeah. they like he captured that perfectly like perfectly and um we expose weak babies then make our eight-year-olds <laughs> hunt wolves <laughs> but like the, like they would have been like hell yeah we do you know i mean like obviously no and that's not what they do but it's like the ideals that they have you know yeah, yeah. um but then you made um, you like made like a murder out of the greatest American hero ever. So, yeah, Who? what that? Um, what he did in the first like Man of Steel? Oh yeah, he, like Superman. Yeah, it just like we talked about, about this before. How the what he did was just like ignore the fact that what makes him great is that he was raised in Kansas, and that's why yeah. he's not a monster. Yeah, the funniest thing about for those of you who aren't into this stuff. You're messed up, and you're the one with the problem. But for for those who are, the thing with Superman that everyone loves is he's the Boy Scout with superpowers. Like, he is. Like, that was Batman's line to make fun of him. But that's who he was. He was, like, this down-to-earth, you know, God, grandma, and apple pie kind of guy. And uh, and that, that was his whole, like, the cartoons in the 90s captured Superman better. And to make Superman... A killer, <laughs> and to make Batman a whole—I mean, I don't—I wouldn't call Superman a murderer, but to make—he killed well, a guy, but like yeah. he didn't kill a bunch of. Well, I guess he did kill a bunch of people throwing up their buildings, but mm-hmm. um, but Batman like straight up murdered people, like Batman just machine gun people to death and smashed cars into their faces and all this just stuff. Shot people, shot people, <laughs> burned them with yeah. a brand. That makes no sense. So, anywho, anywho, it is a very delicate thing. Playing with the nostalgia of 20 million American boys. Yeah. <laughs> and, and now that women are as invested into the comic book culture and now movie culture, uh, you're, you're messing with the nostalgia of a lot of people. You know, but it's hard. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I cut you off? I was going to change it. I was just going to say, which is why I'm excited. Uh, one of my – there are two of my favorite movies that are like my cult classics. The director – is making a pure, beautiful sci-fi movie that me and, and my wife can't wait to see. Is that the... Um, Valerian, Valerian and, yeah. a, and the City of a Thousand Planets. 
I have no desire to watch that. <laughs> I don't necessarily like the actors that they got. I don't care for Dean Dehan and Clara Devadangi. She was the woman in the in the uh, oh, what is the Will Smith and uh, what is the freaking movie uh, Suicide Squad? She was the bad woman in the Suicide the Enchantress. But she's in this. I'm super excited because that that was a comic book that was French. It was written in French. It was super popular. People loved it. And Luc Basson, who's the director, he's he's. It was one of his favorite comics as a kid, you know. And so now he's bringing it to the screen. And if you've never seen The Professional or Fifth Element, that was Luc Basson. And they're awesome stuff. I love that. See, I saw The Fifth Element when it came out, and I was just tread that, lightly. Again, tread, is, lightly. I mean, <laughs> tread lightly. Tread <laughs> lightly. No, no, it's that's just and it's in for me. That's another example of I get why people enjoy this. Just not my thing, and I have not watched it since. So Man, maybe I should give it a chance. That's, that's funny. Yeah, I mean, that's totally like that movie. I can quote. I mean, I love it. I, I mean, there are some people we were talking about sci-fi or something, and someone just goes multi-pass, and we all just started laughing except for one guy. And I was like, I hate that one guy, and I made sure he uh, left. <laughs> that the was me. Made sure he left the church. Uh, <laughs> that's it. You're out here. So Valerian in the City of a Thousand Planets. I'm excited about. And then, um, which, by the way, they showed a whole, like, two- or three-minute intro at Spider-Man. Um, and then Thor Ragnarok. Is there any other big summer movies coming out? Oh, I'm uh, Dunkirk. Holy crap. Oh, yeah, It looks amazing. It looks amazing. Apparently, it's excellent. And there's actually not a lot of dialogue. But everyone's saying it's phenomenal so far, from, from what I've heard. Yeah. So I'm very I, – I, I mean, who doesn't – I love – Christopher Nolan, but I am very excited about that movie. Yeah. Hey, what did you give Guardians of the Galaxy? A, B, what did you give it? Guardians of the Galaxy um, 2 came out May 5th. So I've, I've seen it twice. I would give it a solid, I'd give it a B minus. I enjoy it. I don't think it's as, it's, it's tough because it, the first film was so like, holy crap, this was like out of nowhere yeah. and unexpectedly great. And you can't really do that again. Yeah, yeah. So all in all, I think it's good. Um, so actually, I think a B minus is too harsh. I would probably give it a B a B plus. Okay. Uh, did you see Alien Covenant? I don't like being scared. Okay. Did you see Baywatch? Uh, no. Again, don't like being scared. Wonder Woman. <laughs> what do you give it? Uh, B. It's 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 good. It's I mean it's a pretty good movie. Okay. Actually, if if I gave Guardians a B, so I would give. I'm going to change this. I would give that a B plus and Guardians a B. Okay, okay, fair enough. Now, how many times did you see the movie The Mummy? Zero. Oh. Have you seen it? No. Oh, yeah. Has anyone? I don't think it's into It bombed terribly bad. Yeah, and that's, uh, they're trying to set up their own universe, which is dumb. No one wants to see it. Yeah, it's dumb. They're trying to set up their own universe? Yep, it's the dark universe. It's all of the monsters. All oh, of the universal monsters. So cool. it's the mummy, Drac, Dracula, the Invisible Man, um, all yeah. the classics, sci-fi, horror, mm-hmm. movie stuff. That's cool, though. No, it's it's a Could good be. idea, but it's just. I mean, I guess. Would they call it it's the dark far- verse? Will we all call it the dark verse? Oh, it's called dark. the dark verse. No, I, is that what we would all call it? Because everything gets shortened and combined. <laughs> That's true. Uh uh, let's see. Uh, the, fan- 
That's all right. The Fantastic Beast movie, it's definitely a C plus. Oh, I, I never Fantastic Creatures and Where to Find Them, whatever. Yeah. 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 As, a, as a Harry uh, Potter fan, I was disappointed. Oh, man. So, Spider-Man, you give it an A? Solid A? Um, yeah. Yeah, I would say for what it is, yes. I think, I think in the grand pantheon of, like, films, it'll just be a really fun Marvel movie. Yeah, yeah. So, I think, I think if, if we were women, we might have given Wonder Woman a higher rating. Maybe Spider-Man a lower one. Oh. I don't know. You know, Aaron loved Wonder Woman. Like yeah. she loved it. I think, she, and I think that's you should not downplay that. I think it's really important. That and I and yeah, I've heard the same no, thing about uh, about um, Guardians of the Galaxy too, because so much focused on the two sisters and their relationship. Oh yeah, that was great too. I'm ex- I'm excited to see how that plays out in um, Infinity Wars. You know what comes out in two days? Uh, War for the Planet of the Apes. Yep. I'm excited about that. I, I like those movies. I love those movies. It's very good. Uh, I, I, I think they're, what's really great about those films is they're all like pretty different. Yeah. I mean, that's what I'm assuming. Like This seems like a straight-up war movie. They're going for the whole a apocalypse now kind of a vibe with it, which is vastly different than uh, the first one. Like, the first one has zero of that. So that's kind of cool. They're playing with like genres Can we way. Can we talk about... Andy Circus, dude's a genius. How he's he he? How is he not the highest paid actor? I mean, like the characters that he plays. I mean, number one, he's gonna be the claw dude in the Black Panther movie. Mm-hmm. Um, he's in movies as himself, and he's a badass. But also, he is all <laughs> he's freaking Smeagol, and he's the ape um, Caesar in the movie. Like he is amazing. He's in Star Wars: The Force what? Awakens. Yeah, what was he in Star Wars? He's Snoke. Oh my gosh, was he really? Mm-hmm. Man, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, the dude is a, a phenomenal actor. Wow, so, and then Dunk. So that comes out on uh, July fourteenth, which is my brother's birthday, and then Dunkirk nice. comes Kirk out July twenty first, which is the same time as Valerian in the City of a Thousand Planets, and I will be in Mid America, Sumville, Mid America. There you go, the Midwest burner. Have you seen the trailer for Atomic Blonde? Um, Charlize Theron's movie? I don't think so. Oh, she's like a s- undercover spy. Oh, yeah, and she like hooks up, with, hooks up with a woman in the trailer. Yeah. Yeah, I have no interest in seeing that. All right, all right. All right, man. Man, these are a lot of movies. I'm excited. I am a movie fanatic, and I know people, there are a lot of people that aren't. Like, I, I went to go see Spider-Man with Stephen Lanahan, and... Uh, He's like, I think the last time I was in a movie theater was two years ago. And I that was makes like, no sense. And I was like, the last time I was in a movie theater was two weeks ago. And <laughs> I was probably by myself because I don't care. Uh, do you wanna, uh, are, are there any, like, small films, any, like, artsy films that you're excited about? Uh, well, I, no, not really. Not that I'm paying mm. attention to. There are a few that I'm very excited to go see. But I forget their names now, and I feel bad. <laughs> Oh, we're sorry. The number you have dialed is not in service at this time. Saving the world one podcast at a time. Oh, my gosh. Can I talk? We need to get the crunch back on and re-record that episode. (laughs) Yeah, I love those two guys so much. I know. I do, too. They are so fun. And I think they are hysterical. If you don't listen to the crunch, it's very similar to us, but they're much more on focused. 
uh, on focus, and they are uh, younger than us. So if you're younger than us, uh, you should. I tell people all the time when I do Catholic events, and they're like, "Hey, I hear you have a podcast." I'm like, "Oh crap, it's high school students." Uh, <laughs> just listen to the crunch. Do you want to know what like um, what made me feel so old during the? <laughs> convocation was when pat was telling from from the crunch he stayed on the couch in our um hotel room for two nights he started to talk about like his the, like this prom that he, he went to and it was very obviously like a recent thing that, that had happened i was like what do you what do you you can't bring that up in this in that type of context that's weird <laughs> like made me feel so old <laughs> how dare you sir how dare you be 20 <laughs> he was 16 four years ago <laughs> that's gross that is so gross uh i wonder if he's single um he's got a podcast of course he is <laughs> yes yes i bagged the game before i started my podcast. exactly that's that's really why we didn't start the podcast until now we had to get married and then our wives were like oh shit you're a podcaster <laughs> <laughs> there i really doubt that me saying hey i'm the co-host of catching foxes would have helped me on catholic match i'm just <laughs> saying i really doubt that would have helped you know the funny thing was when i was introduced at the steubenville uh, atlanta conference chris mueller the host you know he's like and hey, we got michael gormley co-host of uh catching foxes which is a catholic podcast and people are like you know, obviously, teenagers like. What? <laughs> I had I, I we do this meet and greet for like an hour and a half in the bookstore. Guy makes a beeline up to me, and he's like, "You always know when they have that face." You're like, "Yeah." I know. He's like, "My best friend listens to Catching Foxes, and he's been telling me for months to listen that I would love you, and you gave your first talk, and I loved your first talk." And I was like, "Well, the show is more discussion over instruction, but go on." <laughs> and, uh, and so he's like, I'm going to listen. I, pro- I already put it in my phone. I'm going to listen. So guy from the bookstore at Sumo Atlantic, this is your shout out. That's it. <laughs> I forgot to write down your name, good sir. And it was kind of a stressful weekend. Um, so, uh, ladies and gentlemen, you can find Luke at the Luke V. You can find me at Lay Evangelist. Uh, hop onto our Facebook page. We've got over a thousand people that are liking and following the stuff Yay. that we're doing. I don't know why. Thanks, uh, great, <laughs> great way to get in touch with us is through our Facebook page. That way both of us see it. Um, also, the website is catchingfoxes.fm. That's how you, you find the actual webpage. Show notes are right here in your podcaster of choice. You just swipe right or left or up or down, and you'll find the show notes where we'll have links to ongoing content. It, this episode's not really going to have that, but a lot of great stuff. Finally, Patreon. We've got a lot of good stuff on Patreon going up here in the next few days and i want to thank every single person we do new uh uh, what what luke what you just said said we we do do. we have (laughs) no well sorry it was kind of uh, (laughs) a delayed uh because the the feed was being really weird um you said we have a lot of great stuff coming up in the next few days i was like we do (laughs) yeah well i mean next i shouldn't have said few days few weeks as I buckle down I, and put more stuff on there. And... I promise everyone I will get back to my soul, the Apostle <laughs> Reflections. <laughs> July is just kind of crazy. So, whoops. July is crazy. But we got a priest who just donated $50. Luke, we have to get the Catholic Foxes drinking game going. We have to oh, get yeah, that going. We have to. There's probably yes. a lot of things for the patrons that we have to do. It's coming, everyone. <laughs> Don't worry. Stickers have been mailed out. Stickers have been mailed out. My wife has mailed out all the stickers. That's her job. That's her job. Thanks, Shannon. 
She's the best. You're the best. Oh, I'm going all right, man. I'm going so with. I'm going to figure out what to do with this with this <gasps> episode. That's amazing, guys. Thank you, everyone who is um, supporting us. I know. Us. I Over That's amazing. Thank you, guys. And if everyone just gave two dollars, we could quit our jobs. So thank you, guys. You guys are awesome. <laughs> hey, and we are we're like three, two weeks from hitting five hundred thousand downloads. Half a million downloads oh gosh. since March 31st, 30th. Crazy. Thank you, guys. That's incredible. Um, yeah. Uh, nuts. You're all nuts. <laughs> I question your taste in podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> You're all so stupid for listening, but we thank what's you. The one like, what's the one like Simpsons thing where uh, Barry White talks to everyone about the snake? He goes, oh, you're all disgusting <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Snake whacking day. That's what we're talking about here. You people should be ashamed. Yeah.